Hey, this is JT. Welcome to another episode of Life at Bethel. The good, the bad, and yes, you guessed it, the ugly. Today's episode deals with where did that article come from? One of the most interesting things about Bethel is uh, when I was there was how you got to see the sausage being made. You got to see how many times articles came out. People oftentimes, we would often laugh about it. That when the friends see this article, they're going to be wondering, why did we need this article? Where did it come from? Well, we're going to share just a few examples of certain types of events that took place at Bethel when I was there. And as a result, the society literally put it into articles. Let's get started. We had mentioned a while back about the housekeepers and the role of housekeepers at Bethel. Any Bethelite will tell you the role of the housekeeper is to keep eyes and ears open for the Bethel office and the home overseers so that they'll know what's going on in the Bethelites room. I'll give you the perfect example. In January 15th of the 1983 Watchtower, the Society did an article on music. And there was a little statement that was made in this article about music and they just stated and kept it moving. And you would have really never known who they were actually talking about because they didn't say it. This is what the article said. January 15th, 1983, Watchtower. Modern trends in music? Can they sway you? Recently, when this issue was placed squarely before one large group of full-time servants of Jehovah, several trash cans full of albums were turned in and destroyed. Now they mentioned this large group of full-time ministers. Now what you're gonna do with your music, now that we've told you, you can't have it. Well, let me give you the backdrop on that. As we mentioned, the housekeepers, they played a valuable role. You see, what happened is a lot of the housekeepers, they will often go through what people have in their room. They just do, they always do. And one of the things that they began to look at was some of the albums and album covers that Bethelites had and they turned it in to the Bethel office. As a result, other housekeepers were told, you know, take a look and see what you see in terms of the kind of music these brothers have in their room. And that's what they did. As a result, as a result, they had a special talk. And this is where the issue of the bass music came in at. And sure enough, as the Watchtower said, the issue was presented to all the Bethel lights. What are you going to do with your music now? And as a result, the Bethel Lights filled multiple trash bins with albums. And so, of course, there were different types of albums. Everybody's music collection became suspect. And the Bethel Lights, as spiritual men, they did have some very interesting collections. Heavy metal music, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Cameo, Confunction. In fact, I know one brother who had the Ohio players, the Honey LP. Now, some of you might be saying, well, who's the Ohio players and what's the Honey LP and Sugarfoot? I'm going to let you Google that on your own. Yes, this was the type of music that men of God had, right at the house of God. So people are often led to believe that Bethelites live this pristine life. Like the elders told me, JT, when you go to Bethel, all you're going to be doing is listening to spiritual music, doing deep research and reading. Therefore, no need to take any music and so forth to Bethel with you. That's because it's not true. Bethel is like anybody else. The difference is the society tries to hide it. The same as they hide other things that we know about. 
And over the years, interesting, the type of music impacted what you listen to. Every type of music you had, that when rap came out, you know, Cool Mo D and Sugar Hill, everything becomes suspect. And of course, all this music had to be thrown out. And of course, later on in the summer of the same year, conventions, summer conventions all around the world had a special part that was called Music at the Bases. And that was what was presented to the congregations all around the world. And then later on, to emphasize it, the Watchtower came out with a second article, a study article that was based on the convention. So what we got the chance to see is how the sausage was actually being made. As a result, we see Big Brother at work. And of course, it affect the type of music that you would listen to. You then realize that every time you bought music or had someone at your room to listen to music, it was literally under suspicion. And so for a lot of Bethelites, including myself, uh, we ended up migrating to a certain type of music. For myself, it was jazz. So because jazz had no words, you felt safe. And even till today, I still enjoy jazz. I remember so vividly uh, after we got the talk at Bethel, and we found out that it was going to actually be on the summer convention. There was a brother back in my congregation back in North Carolina. He was a huge, I mean a huge earth, wind, and fire fan. This brother, he had every single album Maurice White ever put out. And there was a Bethelite who was with me. And I remember him, he was saying, I'm wait, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And I remember we went back to the assembly that summer uh, in the Hampton Coliseum. And sure enough, after the talk, the brother went up there and said, so what you going to do, man? What you going to do? What you going to do? Because as witnesses, we enforce whatever the society says. And we enforce it with glee. And so once again, the big brother, watching things happen in the organization behind the scenes, uh, and once again, we see this is part of the life of a Jehovah's Witness. You will be scrutinized for everything you do. And even after we, even after I left Buffalo and got married, we had some friends came down from Buffalo to give a talk, and they explained to us that they they had another another suite where they was talking about music. Because at Buffalo, they would actually call albums out. They would call artists out at the conventions. They didn't want to do that because it was a public setting. But at Bethel, they just called names out. And uh, my wife, uh, Lady C, she had an uh, artist she had, she enjoyed, Heavy D. And they was explaining to us after looking at Lady C's uh, music collection that, you know, Heavy D was one of the names that they called out. And she had to get rid of Heavy D. So it's, 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 it's very sad that as adults, you're unable to even select the type of music you want. And if you select the wrong one, you will know about it. So when you look back, you realize just how crazy a lot of the stuff was that we were asked to do and how that such scrutiny on a, practically everything that you do, taste in music, taste in dress, taste in grooming, the Watchtower has something to say about it. And of course, if you fail to live up to this, you will be considered spiritually weak. What's kind of interesting is that the society basically knows that the Bethelites were merely just a representation of what's happening out in the congregations as well. When I was growing up, uh, many witnesses who had never visited Bethel, didn't know any Bethelites, never even seen Bethel outside of pictures, they literally had no idea of what life at Bethel was like. I remember just before I got ready to go, uh, the elders had called me into the back. They said, Brother JT, there'll be no need for you to take you know, televisions and radios and, and music equipment because you will probably be involved in much deep study and research. 
Well, a lot of times <laughs> that was not the case. In fact, sometimes Bethel could be almost like a frat house. Let me give you an example. And as a result of these actions that took place, like in a frat house, it ended up in the magazine. I had a roommate. This roommate worked in what's called the scaffolding department, which is really a dangerous job because it requires that you hang outside the society's building 10, 12, 13 stories up, cleaning windows and fixing bricks on the outside. So it's, it's a very dangerous job. Uh, and they try to do it in a safe manner. Uh, typically, they will have themselves harnessed down. They'll have it latched to the, something on top of the roof. And of course, with a bunch of young guys, somebody's going to play some pranks. And that's what they did at Bethel one day. What they did, they would have a Bethel light who would be up like 10, 12, 11 stories, sitting in the window. And in this particular case, what they did, they would play a prank on a, especially a new boy, new Bethelite. They would always get new Bethelites with this. What they would do, they would have a Bethelite sit in the window. He would have his harness not actually fastened. And then they would call down the hall at one of the new guys. Hey, Joe, come here, man, for a second. I'll show you something. Of course, when Joe comes to the door, the Bethelite just simply falls back out of the window. So here you have a Bethelite who just saw another Bethelite fall 11 stories, 12 stories out the window. And his harness, it wasn't attached. But on this particular day, it was the wrong new Bethelite. You see, when they called this new Bethelite to the door of the room and the Bethelite fell out the window, this guy started hyperventilating because he thought he saw somebody die. And it got so bad, they ended up having to take him to the infirmary. Now, typically, the joke would have been over, but not this time, and not here at Bethel, because this issue actually went all the way to the personnel department, and eventually, literally, worked its way down to the writing department. And as a result, this article is what was produced. November 8th, 1983, Awake Magazine. Practical jokes, how funny are they? A workman was busy at his job, suspended outside a hotel window, high up on the 11th floor. Of course, he was properly secured with a safety belt. He called to a friend inside the hotel to come into the room where he was. Upon entering the room and looking out the window, the friend saw a horrifying sight. The safety belt came unfastened, and with a scream, the workman disappeared from view. A ghastly tragedy? No. A practical joke. So when this article came out in the magazine, because we Bethlehem, you always get your magazines early. We saw this in the magazine. Everybody knew what it was, and they knew most of the characters who this article was written around. But that's not the only case other articles that ended up in the magazine as well. Let me give you another example. September 1st, 1984, Watchtower questions from readers. How did the serpent in the Garden of Eden communicate the temptation to Eve? Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent proved to be the most cautious of all the wild beasts of the field that Jehovah God had made. So it began to say to the woman, is it really so that God said you must not eat from every tree of the garden? Now, when this question for readers came out in the Watchtower, everybody was like, we know what happened on this. We know where this one came from. 
And we often discuss it about how the friends were going to probably get this magazine. And they're going to look at the question from readers and they're going to ask, who would ask a question, how did the serpent communicate with Eve? The Bible says he asked her a question. You know, did God really say you're not supposed to eat from the fruit? That wasn't what happened that resulted in that magazine having to do that question from readers. I was sitting in what's called Lord Diner, which is in the 124 Columbia Heights building. I was sitting probably about two or three tables over Kitty Corner from the chairman's table, the governing body's table. That particular day, Frederick Franz was the chairman. Fred Franz told the entire Bethel family that when Eve and the serpent were in the Garden of Eden, the snake did not talk. He didn't utter any audible sound. He just used body language. Now, you need to understand how this goes over with the Bethel family. Everybody's looking around like, oh, Lord, new light, new light, new life from Jehovah. And so at this point, it's on. I mean, it's on because now we have prayer and we break to go to work that morning. All the way to work. Everybody, you hear what Freddie said? Did you hear what Freddie said? I remember getting to the factory and we was in the locker room changing clothes and all the Bethelites was talking about man this is why I'm glad I'm at Bethel we get the freshest of the freshest when it comes to new light we get it directly from the slave and so this is what's going on all in the morning from about eight o'clock all the way to the noon hour now it's important to understand that at Bethel you have guests guests who were down for breakfast Many of these people, when they got up, they left Bethel. They were returning back to their congregations, wherever they were around the world. And they had just heard brand new, fresh light that the snake did not talk when he was in the Garden of Eden with Eve. Unfortunately, when I was at Bethel, we didn't have the convenience of everyone owning their own personal cell phone. So we had a bank of pay phones that the phone company had set up down in the basement. Well, after breakfast, you could not get to a payphone because everybody was calling their mama. Mama, you won't believe they told us some new light at Bethel. You, they told us some new light at Bethel. So this stuff was, is just going, it's just being disseminated all out. So between 8 and 12, people have been calling their family. It, it's, it's, it's on. It's just on. So now, and we found out this later on. So now between the hours of 8 and 12, People down in the executive offices who worked with Fred Franz, they was in his office. And I can imagine what the conversation was like. Uh, Freddie, where did you get that from? And so when lunchtime rolled around, before they uh, allowed us to eat lunch, Fred Franz came back on because he was the chairman that week. And I remember Fred in that, in that, in that raspy voice, Brothers, I'm sure I exasperated some of you this morning. And he went on to explain where he got the idea that the snake did not talk to Eve. He was actually quoting something from 1907 that Russell had said. But now the damage was done. So the society didn't have no choice, no option, but literally to create a question from readers. That was probably one of the most basic questions the average witness would have been able to answer. Five-year-old could have told you, but the snake talked to Eve. And so as a result, this magazine was sent all around the world as if it was addressing a question that someone had asked. Instead of letting people know, well, this was a mistake that came out of Bethel, this is why you see it. And so what I began to quickly understand, and, and, and later on as the years went by, a lot of the questions from readers, they're not questions from readers. They just aren't. They're not questions from readers. Nobody asked the question. It's when the society many times wants to change something, 
fix something, clean something up. That's where those questions from readers actually come from inside of Bethel. So once again, we get a chance to see behind the curtains that a lot of the amazing articles that we see written in the publications, many of them start right at Bethel because of so many of the things that go on there. Yes, once again, life at Bethel. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.